Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Oh, yeah, baby. You know, Mitch. They love their Coopers. Mitch Harper. Good afternoon, Cougar Nation, and welcome to a new edition of the Cougar Tracks podcast on kslsports.com. I'm your BYU insider, Mitch Harper. It's Wednesday, June 29th. Here's the roadmap for today's show. The Big 12 has hired a new commissioner. I'll share my thoughts on that new commission, what it means for BYU's new home moving forward. BYU football picked up a pair of commitments on the recruiting trail. BYU basketball scholarship spots appear to be filled, and the reason for that is the addition of Noah Waterman from Detroit Mercy out of the transfer portal. You'll hear my one-on-one conversation with Noah coming up on today's show. We'll also break down the BYU basketball roster, who those players are, that are in those scholarship spots. The Cougar Tracks podcast is streaming live every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on the KSL Sports YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter pages. It's also available in podcast form on all major podcasting platforms and the KSL Sports app. We'll start things off with the new Big 12 commissioner, Brett Yormark. He has now been hired as the new commissioner of the Big 12. It was announced on Wednesday earlier today that he will be the fifth commissioner in the history of the conference dating back to 1996. He's going to succeed Bob Bowlesby, who now uh, exits stage right, I guess you could say. Your mark will start his tenure on August 1st, and then he's going to be locked in for five years as the Big 12 commissioner. Your mark comes to the Big 12 from Rock Nation. No, it's not BYU student section. It's The Rock. He's the CEO of that organization, uh, an entertainment company founded by Jay-Z. So pretty cool there. Allow the Big 12 to reintroduce itself. His name is Brett. Was a longtime CEO of the Brooklyn Nets as well. Uh, Turnkey ZRG 
was the lead search firm in this search. Because uh, you're probably wondering, how on earth did the Big 12 Conference come up with a guy that was the COO of Rock Nation? How does that happen? Turnkey ZRG. They were the same search firm that helped the Pac-12 Conference identify George Klyavkov. And George K has, for the most part, seemed like a pretty solid commissioner. He's always willing to ask questions, and if he doesn't know something, he's looking to find an answer. I think that's a that's an okay approach. I was never opposed to the Big 12 Conference going outside the college sports structure. In fact, I think it's better because I think the college sports structure, uh, they need some fresh opinions, some fresh insight, new uh, views on how to move forward. It feels like the, the old-time college sports administrators are getting bogged down by this new era of NIL, the transfer portal, TV media rights contracts. They're just getting bogged down. It is a risky move, though. Um, but there's a little bit of sense of optimism, too, when you when your mark is getting endorsements from the Fox Sports CEO and NBA Commissioner Adam Silver. Fox Sports CEO Eric Shanks He said, quote, on behalf of Fox Sports, we'd like to officially congratulate Brett Yormark on being named the new commissioner of the Big 12. Brett is a talented and innovative executive who brings a remarkably unique perspective to the position. Under his leadership and vision, the conference is set up for success, and we look forward to continuing to build on our relationship as a premier partner of the Big 12. You like the sound of that? Uh, Right now, Fox and ESPN are the current television right partners of the Big 12 Conference. you got to think that the Fox is going to continue beyond 2024-2025. And the media rights piece is going to be the defining piece for Brett Yormark. His tenure will be defined by that media rights contract. It's a big concern for the existing eight members that are going to stay long-term in the conference. Texas and Oklahoma are one day going to leave for the SEC. Ideally, it's July 1, 2025 is when they go to the SEC. It could be sooner if there's lawyers involved and things like that. But beginning 2025, 2026, what will that media rights package look like? Fox seems like it's going to be a partner, it it would seem. But what is your mark going to do that's innovative to keep them financially on par, if not farther ahead, than the ACC and Pac-12? The ACC, they're stuck in their TV deal till about 2036 with ESPN and the ACC Network, who owns the ACC Network. The Pac-12, they're going to have their negotiations, I believe, before the Big 12 Conference. It goes Big 10, SEC is already locked in with ESPN, and then Pac-12 and then Big 12. What will be left for the Big 12 Conference? Could CBS get involved? Could NBC, who maybe wants to have a doubleheader with Notre Dame games. What could possibly be the potential there? Do tier three rights go to a Paramount Plus, an Apple TV, an Amazon? I I think your mark's going to be innovative. He's going to be creative. He comes from a league, too, that has been very innovative and progressive, uh, that being the NBA. Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, gave his comments, quote, Brett is one of the most skilled and knowledgeable executives in sports and entertainment. His decades of operational experience, relentless work ethic, and strong industry relationships 
will be of enormous value to the Big 12, its schools, and fans, end quote. Some great endorsements there for your mark, who again steps into the conference on August 1st on a five-year deal. I like it. I think it's a it's a good move, and he's now going to be the leader when BYU, UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston all join the league coming up on July 1, 2023. And some of the new faces that'll be part of the BYU football program in that Big 12 era, they've got some new additions. BYU picked up some commitments on the recruiting trail. Landon Chambers, running back from Fossil Ridge High School in Texas, he's now committed to BYU. And Coconino High linebacker out of Arizona, Pearson Watson, a linebacker, he's also committed to the Cougars. Landon Chambers, I'm telling you, this guy's going to be good. Uh, I don't know how he's been slept on on the recruiting trail, why more Power 5 schools have not offered this kid, but you look at the production, over 1,700 rushing yards, great production, great film, and he's doing it against the highest level of competition in Texas, 6A. It's one thing if he's doing it, doing it against eight-man football, 2A high school football in Texas, or a you know, lower division in some state. No, this is the highest level in Texas high school football. He's at a high school program that's building an indoor practice facility. So there's tons of pressure to perform, and he is performing. It's a great kid for BYU. This is the type of kid that would maybe be a plan B, a plan C for a lot of Power 5 programs. He got some interest. He took some camp visits, some campus visits to some P5s. But likely with kids like this, it's they're a plan B or C. For BYU, they made him a plan A. And he felt the love, and he commits to Harvey Unga and BYU football. He took an unofficial visit a few weeks back, and he's now pounced on his offer and has committed to the Cougars. I think this is a steal. Chambers is going to be really, really good for BYU. I like that commitment a ton for the Cougars. Pearson Watson, an unrated guy out of twenty on 24-7 Sports' database out of Arizona, He's been a camp standout the past two years at BYU. Earned co-MVP honors at the linebacker position in 2021. Then he became the sole linebacker MVP for his class this past earlier this month at camp. Kevin Clune really likes him. And, you know, BYU and linebackers, I just kind of like the quarterback spot right now. I seem to trust the evaluations. You know, Kevin Clune's a different set of eyes than Maybe some of the previous coaches BYU has had in the past, but linebacker spot, it's about instincts. And I'm not going to say that he's some all-world guy. He's a developmental prospect. He is. Uh, if, you're not, if you're unrated, you're developmental. But the thing is, is that he came onto the scene as a junior. That's typically pretty late in the game anymore. It, it, it's a crying shame, but the recruiting calendar, if you're not getting interest maybe in that summer before your junior year, it, it might be tough to get rated, to get the offers. It's difficult. The, the calendar is just moving everything up sooner than ever before. Summer before your sophomore year, summer before your junior year, those are the big bulk of, of periods of time where these prospects become nationally rated guys. If you're someone that's a late bloomer who's – then breaks through and becomes a performer on their high school team in, say, their junior year, you might be a guy that is unrated, but your production says you're pretty good. 
Watson was co-leader in, in tackles for loss last season as high school. He's going to be a developmental guy, but they like the violence he plays with. Uh, that's something that stands out on film, and he was outstanding in, in the summer camps earning the MVP honor. So BYU takes a flyer on Pearson Watson, and he pounced on the offer. He's an LDS guy. His brother plays quarterback, younger kid at the same high school, so something to keep on uh, on an eye on there for BYU football on the recruiting trail. Another bit of BYU football news. It's been a lot of newsy items since we last met on Monday. Jaron Hall tabbed as the number nine pick in the NFL draft by ESPN's Matt Miller. He put out his mock draft and has Jaron going number nine overall. There you go, folks. It's interesting to me how much the difference is between people that follow the NFL draft and people who follow college football. People who follow college football are not even mentioning Jaron Hall as one of the top quarterbacks in the sport. You'd be hard-pressed to find a national list where Jaron Hall is in the top 10 of the best quarterbacks in college football this year. I think it was Rivals.com, Mike Farrell, who put Jaron as number 31. Come on, dude. Wake up. Wake up. Jaron Hall was spectacular last year. It doesn't matter. I mean, college football people, you want to scoff at the guy? Go right ahead. But people that are actually watching the film, they're not basing it on the logo on the helmet. They're watching the film. They're watching the data, the production. Jaron Hall is an NFL quarterback. He's an elite prospect. Top 10 right now, that caught me off guard a little bit. I'm not going to lie. I think he's a back end of the first round guy right now at best. But hey, top 10, the thing is with Jaron is that you love his ability to make those off-platform throws. He's a dual-threat guy, an elite athlete. If he stays healthy this year, I can't wait to see what that guy does at the Combine. He's the type of guy that would just have a, a incredible 40 time, and he'll wow the scouts. You look at production, you look at his demeanor, his personality, mature guy, served a mission. I think the mission component actually helps a guy like Jaron Hall, because you're going to see the maturity. That matters a little bit more with the quarterback spot. Jaron's the whole package. And if he puts together a big year this year, which I and many people around BYU believe he will, there's no reason to think he can't be a top 10 pick. It's just funny, again, though, to see the disconnect. Because there's so many lists that just don't have Jaron anywhere near the top quarterbacks. Aaron Roderick said the challenge now is to Have him be better than C.J. Stroud. Be better than Bryce Young. We'll see. I mean, those are the only guys that he's behind on these NFL draft boards by Matt Miller of ESPN. Pretty cool stuff. And keep in mind, too, if Jaron goes in the top 10, BYU would have back-to-back QBs, top 10 in the NFL, heading into the Big 12 Conference. You now will sell on the recruiting trail, Power 5 affiliation, We'll get you to the NFL, a highly rated guy in the NFL. What's not to love? Like If you're an elite prospect, why not go to BYU again? BYU could legitimately be back in terms of the quarterback business when it comes to a national scale. There once upon a time was a day where the who's who of quarterback recruits always considered BYU, always. Even Tom Brady 
in his book with the Patriots, admitted that he considered BYU for a little bit. I mean, BYU and quarterbacks, that once was a huge thing. They could be well on their way to getting back to that going forward. BYU basketball coach Mark Pope looks to have an image in place that makes the transfer portal prospects a landing spot, a destination at BYU. Pope has had a lot of success with transfer portal players coming to Provo in recent years. He's looking to continue that trend. And the latest addition that BYU added out of the transfer portal is a guy by the name of Noah Waterman from Detroit Mercy. And Waterman, he's got an interesting story. He's a six foot eleven guy that uh, can play a little bit of guard. He's a he's a big man that can stretch the floor. He can do a lot of different things on the court. And BYU picked up a commitment from him earlier this week. It was an important get. BYU needed to add him because, well, one, they needed additional size. BYU is a pretty small team next year. Uh, they've got Foose back. They've got a Tiki back. And I'll break down the the scholarship distribution coming up a little bit later in the show, but it's a relatively small team compared to the one a couple years ago that had Matt Harms, Richard Harward, and all the big men that were in the program at that time. But Noah Waterman, I caught up with him a little bit earlier today, and you can now hear that conversation that I had with the newest member of the BYU basketball program, Noah Waterman, here on the Cougar Tracks podcast, and it's always powered by kslsports.com. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get out to the phone line now and welcome in our next guest, BYU's latest addition from the transfer portal. He hails from Savannah, New York, after pit stops at Niagara and Detroit Mercy. This six foot eleven forward guard continues westward to now join Mark Pope's program in Provo, Utah. I'm joined now by Noah Waterman, the newest member of the BYU basketball program. And Noah, thanks for joining me today. I know Cougar Nation is excited to hear from you. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me. What has been the reaction to, to the support from BYU fans since you committed? Man, the fans are great. After I committed uh, yesterday, I've gotten so many messages from just all like the alumni and fans, just happy that I'm I'm going to be playing for BYU, man. So it's, it's it's a lot of love. Was the BYU fan base something Mark Pope and the staff brought up to you during your recruitment about how passionate they are? Yeah, I mean, they were telling me, and I didn't really believe them at first, right? Because I didn't, I, I haven't really watched too much BYU basketball. But um, they were telling me, like, yeah, fan base is crazy. And then they showed me some films of all, like, 
the, the arena packed with 20,000 people watching the games. I'm like, wow, these fans are really, really supportive and they, they just love BYU basketball. And then after I committed and everybody just uh, reached out to me and they were like, just congrats, congratulating me. I was like, wow. I'm like, yeah, this fan base is, is no joke. Noah Waterman's my guest here on KSL. And you mentioned it that, you know, you're not haven't watched too much BYU basketball over the years. So how does a guy from Savannah, New York, end up at BYU? Yeah, you know, uh, so when I went in the transfer portal, I had a decent amount of schools uh, reaching out to me. So they they were one of the schools that reached out to me. Um, and as you know, I committed to Bonnie before, but I just didn't like the feeling. So I had to decommit from that. And then when I went on the BYU visit, I just fell in love with the campus, with the, with the players. I met most of the players and the coaches, and I was like, wow, this is really a family. I, I can see myself here. When BYU contacted you, who was it? Was it Coach Pope or another member of the staff? And what did you first think when you saw BYU? Because obviously it's a, it's a faith-based school. Was there maybe some, hey, got to break down some of the uh, maybe stereotypes that come with, with BYU and things like that? <laughs> No, right. Yeah. So the first person that reached out to me was uh, Coach Cahill. Um, and then after that, Coach Pope also reached out to me. Um, but yeah, the first thing I thought, I'm like, oh, it's a Mormon school. Like, I'm not too sure. But then when I went there, like everybody just uh, welcomed me with open arms. And they're just like, there's really good people at Utah. And the, the other thing that came to my mind is like mountains, like the, the altitude and everything. I'm like, I haven't been to Utah um, before my visit. So it was kind of, it was, just a beautiful sight to see all the mountains and everything. I never saw a mountain in real life. so That's really cool. You, you prepped it at Finger Lakes Christian School in New York. I'm curious, kind of taking it back a little bit, Noah, when did you realize college basketball was going to be an option for you in your future? Were you always the the tallest kid in your class, or did you really sprout up in terms of your height with things like that? Nah, so, okay. So I started playing basketball in the eighth grade. I was a little pudgy, maybe <laughs> – I don't know, five, five, seven kid. And then once I hit like ninth, 10th grade, I finally hit like six, six, one. And then I kind of just stopped there for a second. I'm like, dang, I, I don't think I'm going to grow anymore. I was a little nervous about college basketball because every basketball player wants to go play division one basketball and everything like that. So, but I was always a pretty confident kid. So I'm like, I'm like, um, yeah, I think I'm going to be able to do it. But then when I hit junior to senior year, I just sprouted up to like six eleven out of nowhere. And uh, I always played guard when I was when I was short and uh, pudgy. So like I had the handle skills, I could still shoot. Um, it was a little little weird to get used to my body at first, but yeah, the, from junior to senior year is when I really just sprouted up to six eleven. That's crazy. Are, is your family naturally a, a bunch of tall people, or was this just kind of an outlier in the family? Tell us a bit about that. I mean, I got pretty good genes. Like most of my brothers are like six four, six five, but nobody in my family is really like seven foot. I might have a distant cousin on my dad's side that's pretty tall, but I I'm not very sure. So I just got blessed. <laughs> well, that's pretty cool. And and coming out of high school, you, you signed with nearby Niagara, uh, and then ended up at, at Detroit Mercy after that. How would you maybe sum up your first three years of college basketball and and what's transpired in those first couple of years? Okay, yeah. So uh, at Niagara, uh, what happened there is I kind of got hurt. I really liked the coaching staff, Beeline and uh, uh, Paulus. They were they're really good guys. Um, 
But so after I got hurt, I just wasn't really feeling it. And then I was like, yeah, I'm going to have to transfer. So when, when I entered the transfer portal, Coach Davis was one of the first people that uh, reached out to me. And I knew a little bit about Coach Davis because he, uh, he was in Indiana and everything like that. So after talking to him, it was a COVID year, so I couldn't take any visits. Um, but after I talked to him on the phone a couple times, probably like five, six times, I'm like, yeah, Detroit's probably the next stop. Um, but I had a really good experience at uh, both places, really. I really enjoyed my, my teammates at both schools and my coaches. Um, but I just thought it was a, a time for me to take another step up and try to pursue my professional career after this. And is, you mentioned pro professional aspirations. Is that then a goal for you? Yeah, that, I mean, that's always been my dream. I think that's uh, every Hooper's dream, you know. Sure. So, so that's my goal. I got to ask you too, Noah, you know, BYU was in contact, one of your uh, old, old Detroit teammates and Antoine Davis. Did you, was, was there, were you already in touch with BYU at the time when Antoine was going to his visit at BYU and things like that? Um, I want to say it was about like probably a week or so after that okay. when I started talking to BYU. But um, yeah, I remember, I remember him taking the visit. I talked to him about the visit and everything. Antoine is a really good guy. We stay, we stay talking and everything. So, well, now looking forward, uh, how, how many years of eligibility do you have remaining, and when do you get to Provo? Okay, so I have a guaranteed two years because of COVID year and everything like that, and I might have a third year because of my redshirt year at Niagara, but that's kind of up in the air. So, guaranteed two years. And then I have to do uh, some academic stuff on my side, and then I'm going to be flying out to BYU. That's exciting, man. And and when you do get to BYU and matriculate in, what can what type of player are Cougar fans going to see in those rowdy Marriott Center atmospheres coming up this season and beyond? What are they going to see from you? You know, I, I really pride myself, and I just I go hard um, in everything I do. Really. So you're going to have me out on the car court um, giving giving 110%, most, like 100% of the time. Um, I'm, I'm a pretty good shooter, so you're going to see a lot of threes from me. Um, and I'm just I, – I like keeping high energy because I think it really helps the team and brings everybody up, so that's what you're going to see. You know, and, and when you said you, met, you shoot the three, that was something that obviously stands out about you. And I think a lot of people out here – where when they saw word that, that you signed and committed to BYU, they look at the Detroit Mercy bio and it says guard forward and you're six foot eleven. As you noted, you you've got the guard background from your days as a kid before you sprouted up, but uh will you be on the guard line at times with, with Pope's scheme? Like what can we expect as far as how you fit in this BYU attack? I mean, that would be cool. I think I'm gonna play more of the three, four or five um for BYU, but um yeah, I mean, I can handle a little bit, so hopefully I'm coming off some ball screens and everything, facilitating the floor a little bit, but it's, it's going to be a good time. So how do you feel? Uh, have you had the chance to meet guys like Fusini Traore, Gideon George, Atiki Aliatiki? If so, uh, how do you feel maybe you mesh with some of those guys? Okay, I think I met it was either Fusi or Atiki when I went on my visit, and uh, we played a little pickup, but... um. I really, I really love playing with him. You know, he's a really, really good big. Um, he's smart. He really dunks everything. It was kind of, kind of weird with, for me at first because, like, on the Detroit team, nobody was really catching lobs. So when I played pickup, I'm throwing lobs. I'm like, oh man, he's getting up. Like, I, I don't even have to really 
aim too much. Like, he's just going to catch a lob no matter where I throw it. So, you know, it was, it was a really good time and a fun time, and I think it's going to be an uh, exciting year. Yeah, that's probably a, a tiki then, because a tiki's the one that's about six foot nine, six ten. Foose is around six six. So a tiki triple A, as they call him, he's yeah, he's going to catch everything in sight. He's he's kind of freaky that way. Mm-hmm, he really is freak athlete. <laughs> well, Noah, <laughs> it's been a pleasure talking to you, and I know Cougar fans are are excited for you. Like I said, and uh, I think you're going to definitely fit in well with this Mark Pope program and uh, wish you nothing but the best and look forward to covering your days here at BYU. Yes, sir. Appreciate it, my guy. There you go. That's Noah Waterman here on the Cougar Tracks podcast. It's always powered by kslsports.com. Here's the rundown now of the scholarship players. You can read a full recap on KSL Sports. Spencer Johnson, Gideon George, Rudy Williams, Trevin Nell, Jackson Robinson from Arkansas, Noah Waterman from Detroit Mercy, Trey Stewart, Atiki Ali Atiki, Fusini Traore, Braden Moore, Richie Saunders, Dallin Hall, and Tanner Toulson. Walk-ons right now, Tanner Hayhurst, and there's some spots available to get some additional walk-ons. So that's going to do it for this edition of the Cougar Tracks podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Make sure to subscribe to the show on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, and on the KSL Sports app. I'll talk to you on Friday with all the latest in the world of BYU sports basketball, football, and everything else in between. We'll catch you on Friday. Here on the Cooper Tracks Podcast, powered by kslsports.com. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.